You're listening to an iFanboy special edition on Logan. There's a man going around taking names. And he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Special Edition on Logan. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello. And we're going to be talking about the latest Fox and Marvel film, Logan. There'll be spoilers, especially for this one. So if you haven't heard it, or watched it, or read it, come back and uh, listen then. Otherwise, you'll be spoiled, and then you're going to cry to your mamas. And this is probably going to be less of a movie review and more of a therapy session. <laughs> it's been 17 years now that Hugh Jackman's been playing Logan, Wolverine, and he has said this is his last time doing it. I read an interview he said he wouldn't have even agreed to do the film unless it was the last time. This is the ninth movie he's done? I don't know. It's counting all the characters. Yeah, wait. No. So X Men, X Two, X the shitty one, uh, <laughs> X Men Origins Wolverine, X Men First Class, The Wolverine, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, and now Logan. Nine movies. Right. So that would be it. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot of movies. Yeah. No, I think we'll talk about Hugh Jackman and, and and his relationship to Wolverine at the end. But coming into this one, all the advanced reviews were that this was the most artistic and cinematic X Men film yet. This was hailed as not just a good superhero film, but a good film. So I was very excited going into it. Ron, what were your feelings going into this movie? Yeah, I mean, go, well, well, feelings were mixed going into the movie. Uh, the I, I feel as if there was a lot of hype built up by a couple of great trailers. Everything that I read about Hugh Jackman's comments and James Mangold, the director's comments about the movie going into it in terms of the influences and things like that all sounded great. It had a real lone wolf and cub vibe because yep. we saw Wolverine you know, protecting a younger, uh, younger girl. Yeah, so, so and going into it, I was just like, all right, it's another movie, you know. Like we, you know, it's it's X. Unfortunately, the X Men movies are hit or miss. Yes. If we can go back through seventeen years of movies, you know, there's there's some great, really, really good highs and some really low lows. Terrible lows. Terrible lows, you know. But I think that one of the consistent highs throughout all seventeen years has been Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. He was, you know, relatively unknown before going into the role, well, and he's then completely def- unknown in America. Yeah, he's an Australian actor. Exactly, and then and then became to define it and to own the role in a way that I don't think any other. Uh, may, man, no, I don't say it. Maybe Robert Downey Jr. Well, Lauren okay, let's talk about it. I was going to do it at the end. Yeah. But let's do it now. I was actually thinking right. about this during the film. People love love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Is he yep. the most popular? actor to character pairing other th- other than Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. Is he more popular than Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man? Well, the thing about the thing about I was thinking I was also thinking about this. I thought about it for at, l- at least 3 weeks now. <laughs> I was thinking about this a long time and uh, really I don't think any other actor including Robert Downey Jr. I would put Hugh Jackman ahead of Robert Downey Jr. in this regard, but I don't think any other actor has approached a superhero role with as much uh, embrace as Hugh Jackman has. Hugh yes. Jackman loves being Wolverine. And even at Chris Evans's, you know, Chris Evans has been great as Captain America, but remember there was that period where he didn't want it? Oh, yeah, I, I still think that he doesn't want it still. Yeah. <laughs> There's a certain amount of gusto that Hugh Jackman goes into the role. And, but people, I mean, he comes on the screen in this film or any film and people just 
go nuts. Yeah, go nuts because he's perfect. Like, like you get the sense. I've I've gotten the sense a lot in the past that there are you know a lot of people who play these superhero roles do it begrudgingly yeah. or with or it's a burden because that's what you have to do now in Hollywood if you want to. Act. Yeah, exactly, Melissa. But he but from day one he's been like yeah and and just to see the way he interacts with fans. I was actually on his Twitter account looking and like thanking fans who were saying that they love the movie. Like he's widely regarded as one of the nicest people in Hollywood. Yeah, I was thinking that during one of the scenes and just like I think. The only person who would give him a run for his money in terms of popularity of actor playing character would be Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony yeah, Stark. Agreed. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. I don't know that it's not Hugh Jackman. It might, he might be the most popular person playing a superhero on, on screen. Yeah. He might be. So that said, so let's get into the movie itself. You know, a lot of hype saying it's, you know, transcendent and all this sort of stuff. Did you like it? Do you agree with those uh, those comments? Well, I think one of the reasons why those comments were made was yeah. that it's not your standard superhero movie because I think it's one of the rare superhero films that's actually about something. Yeah. You know, most superhero movies are just about a big world-ending fight and the fun of that. And that's not to say those movies aren't really fun and entertaining. They are. But they yeah. often aren't really about anything. And this was about something. And so that I think that's why a lot of people responded so positively to it. I think it's a really good movie. I don't know if it was quite as good as everyone was purporting it to be. However, I thought it was a fitting end for this version of the character of Wolverine and this version yeah. of Professor X. And it's the kind of superhero movie we don't get to see because it's an ending. Yeah. It's the third act of these characters, which we, uh, we don't get in comics, we don't get in the movies, we don't really get at all. Yeah, this this was definitely, I agree with the, the comments that made that this is not not just a good superhero movie, but this was a good movie. Mm-hmm. At least in my opinion, I mean, it was it was just it was just a good movie. If you if you take away the ties to the X Men and all this other you know all this other stuff, I mean, it was it it just it stands on its own as a good film. But then at the same time, it pays a lot of respect to what has come in the past with the X Men movies. Although we can talk about this a little later. That I'm having a little trouble making sense of the timelines, but. <laughs> Um, the, well, it wouldn't uh, be an X movie if we didn't have trouble making sense of the timelines. It, yeah, that's true. That's it, true. But... Uh, it's also a straight up, I mean, full blown western. It, yes. Oh, yeah. It's. I mean, it's not even trying to hide the fact that it's a western, and and it's it's fitting because Wolverine's always been a character who's got a bit of a western vibe to him. He's even before. Uh, Old Man Logan, which is funny. I don't remember seeing Mark Miller's name in the special thank you list at the end. I, thought, I saw a lot of other creator names, but I didn't see Mark Miller's name. Yeah, this isn't really Old Man Logan at all, other than he's just he's an old man who is Logan. Yeah, I mean, it just it, no. It's, it, the only thing it has in the only similarity to Old Man Logan is that he is old and they go on a road trip. And that, it's a western. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the only. That, that's those are the only two or three connections to Old Man Logan at all. But he was Wolverine's always been a character who's you know worn a cowboy hat. You know, worn cowboy boots. Like he's always had that sort of vibe to him. So it was appropriate that they did a West. I mean, this is a full-on Western movie. Yeah, and it, what's funny is that it's hard. It's hard, you know, knowing we have a lot of inside jokes and things like that. But the fact that the Western movie it's most like, and the one that it directly yes. references in the hotel room scene was Shane. <laughs> Shane. 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 I, I did that. That that was not lost on me either. But yeah, no. But that was a direct kind of corollary to Shane. Once they started making the Shane comparisons, and they even you know showed Shane in the middle, that's when I knew for sure Wolverine was going to die because that's yeah. the whole point of Shane. Like even Eric Lasalle, the great Eric Lasalle's character. His name is Will Munson, and that's like the most Western name you could give somebody. Like this, it was like full on. You yep. could take this movie out of the near future, which is, takes place in twenty twenty nine, and put it in eighteen 
89, and it would totally be most of the same arc. It's, it was a full-on Western, which I liked a lot, because I'm a big, you know, Western's my favorite genre. Yeah. So, in 2029, Wolverine has been uh, relegated to basically being an Uber driver. <laughs> a limo driver? He drives a limo around El Paso, Texas, while secretly caring for Charles Xavier, who's dealing with neurological... Dis- Either Alzheimer's or, or some, sort of, yeah, some sort of neurological disease. Degenerative disease that he's, that he's dealing yeah. with, and it causes... Uh, seizures that cause psychic waves that hurt everybody and so he's been dealing with that while he's driving a limo around and dealing with the indignity of that and he comes across a woman who says she needs help and she has a girl that needs help and he won't do it because he's not that kind of guy anymore but then gets pulled into it anyway in the great western tradition and turns out that this nurse broke this little girl who turns out to be x-23 out of experimental hospital in Mexico where they've been growing mutants because there are no more natural mutants. And Wolverine needs to get X-23 to safety in North Dakota where there's a Eden, a, a haven for mutants, and they're going to get them across the border to Canada. And so it's, it's what begins is a uh, road trip from El Paso, Texas to North Dakota with Wolverine, Professor Xavier, and X-23 in a limousine, or a series of vehicles anyway. And so that's basically your story. So where was the... We know Caliban, played by our, another yep. one of our favorite Stephen Merchant. Which I did not know was happening, and I was like, it's Stephen Merchant! <laughs> <laughs> he was really good. He was great. He was really good, yeah. But were there other allusions to the comics in these other... So yeah, there were, there, when we talk about the comic allusions, there were no other X-Men. I mean, Wolverine... Professor Xavier, Caliban, those are the only direct... I was mildly surprised there was not at least one more character that showed up. I was a little surprised. I mean, maybe I didn't catch it, but I didn't I didn't see anything. Of course, on the villain side of things, the mercenaries that were chasing X-23 were the Reavers, and they were led by Donald Pierce. Now, unfortunately, in this in this, they did get Donald Pierce correct in that he had you know the, the robotic hand, yeah. and the Reavers all had a little bit of cybernetic you know kind of robotic adjustments. But they were Australian historically in the comics, and in this, he's more of a southern kind of you know that was annoying. And also, Wolverine's clone that is just a mindless clone attacking them or whatever is loosely based on Albert, who was a robotic clone of Wolverine that was in the comics in the '90s. In this case, he's a genetic clone. Mm-hmm. But it was that same idea. They mined that from the comics. Yeah. But other than that, that's it from the comics. And of course, X-23, as you mentioned, who I thought I, the little girl playing X-23 was fantastic. I thought she, I mean, Hugh Jackman's great. And I thought Patrick Stewart was really great, too. We'll get to him. But of course. She, yeah. I thought this movie lived and died off of Daphne Keene, who was Laura X-23. Yep. She was really great. She spends most of the movie mute. She doesn't speak. and But she still does a really great job of emoting and acting. And then when she does start speaking, it's really one of the more fantastic sequences in the film. And she yep. carries it all the way through to the. She's basically the, the hero of the piece. Wolverine is all should be mentioned is also dying. Adamantium poisoning. The adamantium is seeping into his his body finally, and it's affecting his ability to heal. He heals, but very slowly, but sometimes not at all. And and he's got scars. He's got a limp. He's not the man he used to be. And so it falls on X-23 to do, do a lot of the hero work. And they also when the, the, the few scenes where they fight together were just like dancing. Yeah. It was great, yeah. And what, what I also thought was, was funny, so Professor Xavier, of course, is very, you know, is very old and, and elderly in this. And in fact, actually, Patrick Stewart lost a ton of weight to play the role. Yeah, he looked frail. Yeah, yeah he looked frail. But here's the thing. He, he had hair. Yeah, that was really beard sure. But yeah, but the, the, but, the, the, but the the little bit of hair, the Picard hair in the back of his head, I was like, wait, was a, but we don't know how, in, because it, because in X Men First Class and Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, you know, the what's his face wasn't bald, right? right? And until until uh, Apocalypse, so we don't know how. Are that, we saying he's been the, shaving his head this whole time? 
I, Professor I Xavier? Know. Like, I was the part where I was like, she just left him bald and given him a yeah. beard. Well, they don't address the, the the bald was a joke in in first class in yeah. Days of Future Past because Beast kept on wanting him to shave his head. And then he finally does go bald in Apocalypse, but we don't know what the long-term effects there. But yeah, no, movie-wise, I mean, imagery, storytelling, I mean, it's a long movie, but I never felt it. Written and directed by James Mangold. James Mangold did the story and a bunch of other people did the screenplay with him, but he was the director. Yeah, and Mangold did the last Wolverine movie, right? The Jap- Japanese one. Yes. He also did Walk the Line, the uh, Johnny Cash film, which uh, features yeah. music from Johnny Cash in the film. He also did 310 to Yuma, so he's deep in that genre. He's a Western Also dude. going back all the way around to Copland. Oh, how about that? One of our favorites. With all of our favorite actors in it. Stallone and Leota. And De Niro and Harvey Keitel. And, yeah. Uh, but the thing about this movie that, that got me about it at least was just the intimacy or the personalness of yes. it. You know, it's like you, you get the sense that these are two icons, Wolverine and Professor Xavier, of a movement of a whole line of people, and this is the end of the line. And you get the sense, that feeling of it's the end of the line, while at the same time being introduced to another generation. And it was really emotional. Yeah, it was very emotional. You know, it's been it's been a full generation with these characters. Even, I mean, we don't really talk, I mean, it's all about Hugh Jackman's time as Wolverine, but we're not talking about Patrick Stewart, who's been playing yeah. Sir Xavier as long as Hugh Jackman has been. And it's... I'm not as convinced as, um, I'm convinced that Hugh Jackman's not coming back. I'm not entirely convinced Patrick Stewart won't come back. I get the sense that Patrick Stewart keeps, I feel like he said this is the last time many times. Well, we expensive run yeah true no but the thing about this though but the emotion aspect of it was that i was um you know i came i came at it and we'll, we'll talk about the last scene in the movie and that's where i think the biggest emotional gut punch came from me at least for me but I, I, this movie hit me emotionally much harder than i thought it would I can only I can imagine, yeah. You're the big X Men guy. People don't people don't yeah, know. And, and, people haven't listened to Ron's his favorite characters are all of the X Men. Yeah, exactly. And being a longtime X Men fan, but also going through seventeen years of this movie and Wolverine being the embodiment of the movie and then watching him die, you know, it basically throughout this movie and then it'll ultimately end and spoiler warning, whenever Wolverine dies at the end. And I got choked up because it was like not only not only it was good in terms of storytelling, but like oh god, this is this is the end of a chapter. Yeah, yeah. This is this is like God, seventeen, oh, nearly twenty years have passed, and this this is the guy that ushered in the first superhero movie of the wave that we're still in. Yeah. Right. And sure, there have been like you know sub waves after that, and you know two thousand six with Iron Man, and you know you can you can point all, along the timeline of all the important points, but him as Wolverine and the first X Men movie started it. Yep. And now this is like I'm like oh now this is this is come this is ending, and <laughs> I, I got I got pretty emotional and so so going back to the the last scene so what happens is is that for those who've seen the movie you you know this as well but whatever you know Wolverine dies and X twenty three and the other kids from the experimental area bury him and they put a cross at, at his grave and they say a few words and they all leave to go to find sanctuary in Canada which is ironic I thought too that they're trying to get to Canada yeah and. They all walk away, and X-23 looks at the grave and grabs the cross and picks it out of the stand and rotates it and pushes it back down to the ground, and it's an X. Yeah. And that I, that got me. I was like, I, I was like, fuck, I'm done. <laughs> like, is there more of a metaphor for my fandom? Than, yeah, exactly. You know, like, They've buried the X-Men, Ron. Yeah. Oh. I have to say, I got really emotional when our favorite Eric LaSalle got killed his, and the whole family got murdered. On this road trip, they're driving along the road and a bunch of these self-driving, super-fast trucks almost cause an accident and drive them off the road, And as well as his family who are transporting horses. It turns out the head of the family, Eric LaSalle from ER, Dr. Uh, Benton. Which I didn't even know he was still working. I didn't know he was alive. Yeah. <laughs> they helped round up the horses. I thought a really great scene where Professor Xavier actually uses his powers to get the horses to all come back. And Wolverine being very sort of astonished that he was still able to do it. So that as a reward, they offered to f- cook them a nice home-cooked meal and let them sleep at night. And you get this nice family 
moment. I thought that scene at the dinner table with all of them was really great. Yeah. It let Patrick Stewart be funny and lively and making fun of Wolverine and how much of a troubled student he was. I thought that was a really fantastic scene. And that was sort of the goodbye, I think, to that era. Yeah. But then you see in the distance the truck's coming, and I was like, oh, right. They pulled the ER on us. If you meet a very happy family in the beginning of the episode of ER, you know by the end that one of them is going to be dead at least. And yep. uh, here they all got killed by the evil Wolverine clone. And then also we should mention this is where Professor Xavier dies at the hands of yep. the evil Wolverine clone. There's a lot of meta commentary in this movie as well with Wolverine ultimately having to kill his younger self. Yeah. I thought Patrick Stewart was so good in this. He got to actually act. I mean, he's yep. he's, he's always been acting as, as Xavier, but he actually got to portray a really wide range of emotions. You get to see a character like Professor Xavier in a situation of vulnerability you don't normally get to see. And he was really great. And I was actually really bummed when he died halfway through the movie because he was he had been so great in it. But I think the way you felt about the final scene was how I felt when Xavier died in the middle of it because he's the yeah. patriarch. He's been so good in that role. And when he gets younger Wolverine's claws to the chest, through the heart, I was oh. I felt it. Yeah. Even though he wasn't quite dead yet, it's still... Well, yeah, when I didn't... Because you, you got introduced to Albert at that moment or the Wolverine clone at that moment. And all, it's dark and all you just see is the claws in his face. And you're like, what's going on? And then it's when you realize what's happening. But that was like... The, I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. And I, I gasped because yeah. I was like, oh shit, they're doing this? Like it was... Oh, it was rough. So this was a rough movie. I mean, it was mostly quiet. It was, mm-hmm. you know, there were fights and there was action, but there was a lot more emotion that I was I was mentally prepared for on a Saturday morning to be honest with you (laughs) (laughs) I like the quiet a lot I was really sort of taken by how much they allowed it to breathe and you've got three main characters one of whom doesn't speak you're going to get some quiet but there was a lot of scenes where the acting was done through the eyes and through the body language as they went on this road trip because you know you had X-23 was basically mute and then you had Xavier didn't do a lot of talking until the very end and Wolverine has always been taciturn at best so I thought that was really great. I thought they took a lot of chances with this. I like the fact they took a lot of chances and that so far it's paying off. It had an enormous opening weekend. Yeah, 85. So I'm hoping that this will be a signal, much like Deadpool, to try different things with these characters now. Yeah. Uh, Not necessarily... And this is a hard R movie. Oh, yeah, it was very violent. It's a very violent, very bloody movie. Lots of curses, lots of cursing. I was surprised how much cursing, but like this is like the full on Wolverine people have been wanting the whole time where he's everyone's taking claws to the face and the arms. And the, I mean, there's a lot of clawing. And I'm hoping that the lesson they learn isn't to make them more violent, which I don't necessarily have a problem with, but I don't think that the lesson is to actually tell interesting and unique stories with these characters and not just, re- you know, the Avengers, the knock on the Avengers movies is that it's basically the same formula over and over again. It just so yeah. happens that it's a very entertaining formula. But at least with these couple of films, they've been doing different things. I think that's the lesson going forward. Yeah, no, and, and that's the thing. It's like I, I, and I, you know, you know, far be it for me to pat Deadpool on the back for ushering it in, but now that an era of R-rated superhero movies seems to be upon us, right. it's not all violence and cursing and sex and stuff like that it's the ability to tell a more mature story that you know that isn't you know as primary color as the avengers movies have been and things like that and that's the thing like you know even looking at you know the across the street at the dc movies which are trying to be darker and edgier they're still trying to have their cake and eat it too and not go you know and the the thing is like i wouldn't say i want a batman movie that has cursing and all this stuff like that but you know, a Wolverine movie where you know he—I mean, he was cursed in the comics. Like we yeah. knew he—they didn't print the curses, but we knew what he was saying, and we knew, you know, like and right. it was seedy, and it was—he always felt more adult than the other X-Men characters did. Right. He had lived a life. He drank. Yeah. He smoked. He had sex. When he got annoyed, he just left the school. 
and yeah. went off and did adult things. So who's felt more like an adult than the other ones did? Yeah. He was way older. And it sucks that it's like at the end of the run, do we finally get what we've always, the Wolverine that we've always wanted? It seems like every X-Men movie, I mean, the joke was that Wolverine always got his ass kicked, right? right. <laughs> in, all, in all the X-Men movies. But there was always one scene where like, oh, this is Wolverine as we know he could be. And like, he just goes crazy on people and just and slices them up. But like this movie got the closest to it and it was painful to watch because he was dying while it was happening. Well, I don't know. The, the Wolverine, the, the Japan one, got pretty close to it. And, and even Days of Future Past at some points. As, as, as the years have gone on, it's gotten closer. Yeah. So that, that's a good segue to my only problem with this movie okay. is, is, wrapping, is wrapping my head around the X-Men timeline. <laughs> All right. And so now and now here's just a quick – this is a quick diversion, a little reference. Yeah. Uh, this late this week's uh, issue of Entertainment Weekly plays out all of the movies that Wolverine is in. So Deadpool is not included. There's only been 10 X-Men movies. Wolverine has been in nine of the ten. Right. Right? The only one he hasn't been in was Deadpool. And he will never be in Deadpool now, which is, I think, very <laughs> funny. X-Men, X2, and X3 all take place in what is considered to be present day. Right. right. Then X-Men Origins Wolverine takes place before X-Men. Right. Unknown year, right? Then X-Men First Class, they put a year out there and say 1962, right? Right. Then the Wolverine, the Japanese story, at least according to Entertainment Weekly, they and I don't know, I'm sure they sourced this or whatever, but they say that the Wolverine took place seven years after the X-Men movie that we won't name. Right. The third X-Men movie, the, that abomination. So that takes place seven years after that from Presence Day, right? Okay. Then X-Men Days of Future Past takes place <laughs> both in 2023 and then 1973. 2023? Oh, right. Right. Okay. okay, so then, hang on. So then X-Men Apocalypse takes place in 1983, goes back to 1983, and then this takes place in 2029? Yeah. So you're going to tell me that the events of X-Men Days of Future Past, when they're all in those wacky costumes and, like, the, the whatever's happened, that, that's... That's that's six years before this movie. Yeah, but then that all got wiped out when they went and changed the timeline. Right. So yeah. that's stuff, that that stuff never happened anyway. There were no Sentinels. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And so the events in this was they're alluded to is that <laughs> Professor Xavier started having a degenerative neurological problem and he started having seizures, seizures. and yeah. apparently he had one in Westchester at the school and killed a whole lot of the X Men. Seven, seven. They, they they mentioned seven died. So, so then did they, all the rest of them die? Because they're all dead in the movie. There's no more X Men. Yeah. There's no more mutants at all. So I thought that was really clever how they, because they kept mentioning the corn, and in the background in the, in the TV channels, like, there kept being commercials for this corn company. And I was like, well, that's a weird thing to keep doing. And it's revealed that they got rid of mutants by genetically engineering corn syrup from this one yeah. company and, and putting out stuff in the corn syrup that would suppress the mutagen. And so that's how yeah. they stopped the natural population of mutants. I thought that was clever. So yeah, it's a little muddled. I don't, you know, you, you think you would have gotten, I thought you'd get a little bit more about what happened to everybody. I mean, I don't, I don't need to run down all the characters and how they died, but, you know, there was nothing on that. You had, it's left to your imagination, which is fine, but things went downhill quick, is what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. To find Professor Xavier living inside a tin can in Mexico. A knocked-over water tower. Yeah. Because uh, it, it's suppressed. And that's the, the whole thing is that he's, he's working as a limo driver to save money so they can get a boat and go out and live on the water where they're away from other people. Right. I mean, it's really nice that Wolverine's like, Professor Xavier saves Wolverine, and Wolverine feels the responsibility to take care of him. I mean, that's yeah. that's something. Yeah. No, all in all, I have no flaws with this movie. It was as perfect of an X Men movie as you can get. I have nothing I complain about this. Um, and if anything, it, it just made me really sad and feel really face to face with my own mortality. <laughs> right. It's only gonna get worse from here on. Yeah. on so, where do you rank this amongst the, the X Men films? Ooh. Ooh. Well, it's tough because this isn't really an X-Men movie. Like that's the, that's the challenge is that this is a little different. This has got to be at the very top. It's still X-Men First Class. Then I'll give it to this one. 
then X2, and then X-Men, and then Days of Future Past, then the Wolverine, uh-huh. then... <laughs> they Just forget it. Then oh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, then Apocalypse, and then Last Stand. Wow. Is X-Men Origins Wolverine only above Apocalypse because of the jacket? Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. For my money, once you get down to that bottom bit, it's it's rough. Yeah, it's just it's yeah, it's just, it's like it's like trying to decide which prequel is worse. <laughs> which what? Yeah, exactly. What is your what is your ranking? I think what is your pretty rank? similar? X Men First Class, this and X Men X Two are all the top three. Yeah, I would probably put Days of Future Past above X Men. Okay. Although there's there's a charm to that first one. You can it, you, yeah, that's you can tell it's shot in a super low budget when you rewatch it. Yeah. I really enjoyed Days of Future Past. I'd put it above X-Men. Okay. And then after that, i just say forget it. I have a lot of problems with Days of Future Past, the, the, the back half of it. Okay. Yeah, but whatever. We can, go, we can do this for hours. All right. So now, what do you think? Because all indications from the producers of these films is that they're not rebooting the X-Men. You know, they're just going forward, which... So, so what do they do now? Here's the thing, because that's yeah, because I read that this is Wolverine's last movie. It might be Xavier's last movie, but they're gonna. But X23 is in the plans for future movies. But she's literally in the future. Goes back to this movie did not have an end credit sequence, but it had a pre credit sequence that teased the next Deadpool movie. Like yes. it or not, we love Deadpool. I love Deadpool. Yeah, but if you noticed. In that Deadpool pre-credit sequence, he runs into a phone booth to change, and written on the phone booth is coming soon, Nathan Summers. Right. That's the given name of Cable. Right. And what is Cable but time a time traveler. traveler? Right. So I'm assuming Cable's coming, some sort of time traveling, that's going to be the answer. We'll see. It's almost like... It's a puzzle, that's for sure. It's, it's almost a like Deadpool shouldn't have been a hit because it does not allow them to reboot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or they should just reboot and I just have that be the joke. And for my money, 17 years in one continuity is a long time. Let's start over and, yep. and try a different kind of X-Men story. Yeah. Or at least keep it in the 80s and have them do period pieces. You know right. what I mean? Like that, like that would be fun. Like I, w- I, would, I would watch the shit out of Young Cyclops and Young Jean Grey and Nightcrawler, that whole crew from X-Men Apocalypse, that mall scene that we wanted so badly. Right. Do that movie. You know, forget about the debris battle. You know, forget forget about it. Do a really relatable teen X Men movie. Now, would you want them to go forward and do a movie about these young mutants? Maybe. I mean, they had. It was funny because they a lot of those mutants were similar names of other mutants. Yeah, the one was named Richter. Richter, Richter, and there was Bobby, and there was Tabitha. That was New Mutants, and New Mutants is Cable. Oh right, that's been the rumors that the next movie is going to be New Mutants. Yeah, so that there's your New Mutants. There's Richter. Bobby is Cannibal. Tabitha is Boom Boom. You throw an X twenty three in there, and you get you get a good cable leading them. That that's a solid movie. I, I I I would see that. I would, of course, I would go see that. So before we we end this, one of the things I wanted to mention was that I thought a funny little nod was X twenty three had a bunch of X Men comics with her, and yeah. that's turned out to be one of the major plot point in that Eden, this mythical place where they'd be safe in North Dakota, came from the comics. I thought, I thought that was funny. Wolverine's entire rant about how the comics were bullshit and they just some guys yeah. made it the you know something happened and they they blew it up everything was overblown and none of this really happened i thought that was a fun and he had the yellow and blue costume in the, in the comics like he he always hated featuring art by dan panosian it was fantastic yeah so and although the the movie credited joe casada and dan panosian but it was dan panosian's yeah. art so. <laughs> um, yeah that was that was a neat little detail that was fun they slightly tweaked the logo on the cover of the comics too just enough to annoy me but <laughs> i mean this is it felt very fitting 
You know, Wolverine yeah. got to go out on his terms. He he didn't save Xavier, but he gave him one last adventure. He saved X-23. He saved all the kids. He sacrificed himself. I mean, that's basically Wolverine to a T, but it's also the Western hero to a T. It's, it very much falls in line with Shane, which is the movie they were yep. referencing. Shane? Shane? In that sense, I thought it really worked as a pure... I mean, this is... We've talked about how it's maybe time for the superhero films to branch out in other genres. They did that a little bit with Doctor Strange, a little bit with... Captain America Winter Soldier, but here you've got a full-on Western superhero movie, which, which is fun. I thought, I thought it was really, yeah. really impressive. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much I'd rewatch it though. That's one of the questions I was wondering on the way out. Like, you know, it's not like a movie like X Two or First Class, which is like eminently rewatchable. Right. Yeah. No. This is definitely. This takes a lot of energy to watch it. I mean, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. This isn't. You know, it doesn't have the big climatic. You know, kind of hero movie moment. You know. Uh, you know, kind of big battle. It does have the big battle, but it's like it. It's it ends on a down point. It's a downer. It's a good downer. It's a quality film. So yeah. I, I don't know. Because I give it a rating. So what are ratings? What would you give it? How many? I give it a four. Give it a four. I yeah. give it a four point five. Sticking with it. Yes, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I mean, it's 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 a fitting end to this character, and I I, I would hope is a fitting end to this era, but it probably won't be. So yep. uh, we'll we'll move forward from here. If you want to talk about Logan, you go to ifanboy.com. There'll be a post about under the show where you can tell us what you thought. There's also all kinds of special edition shows found in our archives for all of these movies. I don't know if you can go all the way back to x2 or not but there are there there definitely x3 right that was 06 we did x2 and we did x3 but i don't know that yeah. uh i don't know did we do x2 i don't think we did i don't think we did x2 we definitely did x3 though that fucking pile of horseshit but i don't know if they're still available in the, in the feed or not but you can you can go back there and find all kinds of old discussions about all those shows including the deadpool show that ron and i talked about last year yep we definitely talked about x-men origins we talked about the jacket we talked about uh, X Men First Class. We did the Wolverine. We did Days of Future we Past. We did all of them. Down to yeah, X3. they're all there. Yeah, so yeah, there you go. They're all there at ifanboy.com and on our feed, our podcast feed. If you can scroll way back into the archives, you can find all those old shows, all the old X Men shows where Ron rides the highs and he sinks into the lows of various X Men cinematic exploits over the last seventeen years. Yep. So now we look forward to. Our next special edition show being sometime in the future on Iron Fist. Oh, so Iron Fist would be next, and then uh, what's in May? The mo- I saw the oh, Guardians of the Galaxy is in May, right? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be back for that. Hopefully. Which, by the way, I'll just say I'm getting real sick of that trailer. I've been watching fewer and fewer trailers. Well, no, just because it's in front of every movie I go see for uh, some reason. Didn't they release a new one? Which I didn't watch, but it was the one they showed in front of Logan was the same original one. Yeah, yeah, no, it's the same original one I've seen over. That's why I'm getting sick of it. Yeah. And now's a good time also to set expectations that we will not be doing Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we are adults. Yeah, no. No, thank you. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so there's all those shows available to you if you want to go back and, and relive the history of X-Men on screen, at least going back to 2006. And also, of course, as always, every week we talk about the new comic books that come out in the Pick a Week podcast. And that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's it. All right, so until next time, I'm Ron. I'm going to go lay down and die. I'm Connor. Oh, I'm so sad. With an axe. Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down. When the man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers. One hundred million angels singing. Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying. 
dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come 